For those who know me well, I'm a man of routine. In the last two weeks, I was taken out of my routine, so I was miserable. We weren't able to have church two weeks ago because of snow. And then last week, the ice storm, we didn't have the early service. And I told my wife last night, we were eating dinner. I said, you know, I'm just looking forward to a normal Sunday. Well, how many know normal is just a setting on the washing machine? (laughs) And we're having technical difficulties today. So I'm just going to ask you, old-fashioned, old-school, get your Bibles. They're right out in front. Second Chronicles. You want to turn to Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-three, and just keep your Bibles right open. I'm going to use my laptop. It's easier than turning to all my pages in the Bible, and we're just going to go from there. We're in a series over the last few weeks entitled "Rekindling Our Hearts." Today is the day that we are to let our light shine bright, and I trust that our hearts are on fire for him. This whole series has been designed looking at some of the kings in the southern kingdom. Now, how many know that circumstances and situations in life can change at the snap of your finger? I mean, at the, at the snap of your finger, because of a mishap, because of carelessness, because of a misfortune, because of, of just a miscue, all of a sudden things can go from, bad, from good to bad real quick. And sometimes it's just a phone call. Well, things have been going good for the nation of Judah. Materially, spiritually, under Hezekiah's reign and We left off Hezekiah last week with his victory over the Assyrians. Now, not yet, but we'll get to Chronicles in a minute. Right after his victory, we read in Scripture how Hezekiah, the very next chapter, becomes ill. And he was at the point of death. And the prophet of the Lord, Isaiah, he comes and this is what he tells Hezekiah. This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. How many know situations go from good to bad real quick? And we read in Scripture, when Hezekiah hears those words, and I believe it was a test, and I'll get to that in a minute. It says that Hezekiah prayed. And it doesn't actually say what he prayed, but part of his prayer was, Lord, I've been faithful I have served you wholeheartedly. I have done what's good in your eyes. And then the Bible says that he weeps bitterly. The next verse says, before Isaiah can get out of the court, he hears from the Lord and says, go back 
and tell Hezekiah, I have seen your tears. Aren't you? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that the Lord sees our tears? And I have heard your prayer. I will heal you. And we know from Scripture that Hezekiah is given 15 more years. Now, why do I think that was a test? Why do I think that? Because in those 15 years, Hezekiah has a son. And it seems up to that point of his illness, he did not have a child. Because when Hezekiah dies 15 years later, it says his son Manasseh took the father's reign and he was 12 years old. Why is that significant? Because the Lord made a promise that the Messiah would come through the line of David. And we know that Hezekiah without a son would cut off the line of David. And I believe that during Hezekiah's prayer, he reminded God of his faithfulness to his people. He reminded God of his promise. He reminded God that Messiah would come through the divinical line. And that if I die, that line would be cut off. Aren't you glad God always fulfills his promise? And those 15 years were very significant in order for a Savior to be born for you and I to live. Well, Hezekiah dies, and now we're into Manassas. He's 12 years old. And Hezekiah, I mean, Manassas did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Everything his father did, he overturned. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, in a series, Rekindling Our Hearts, why are we talking about an evil king? Because Manasseh's, his life serves as a warning. Serves as a great warning of what we are not to do. The first warning we get from Hezekiah's life comes from the third verse in Chronicles 33. Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 33, the third verse. Listen to what Manassas does. He rebuilds the high places his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to Baals. He made the Asherah pole, Asherah pole. He bowed down to the starry hosts and worshipped them. The first warning we get from Manasseh's life is that he parted ways from his father's faith. His father was a righteous man. And he parts ways. He departs from his father's faith. Now there's a reoccurring theme. All throughout this series. And that's the high places. Remember Joash? He tore down the high places in the cities. But left them up on the hilltops. Left them up in the mountains. For people to worship pagan gods. And then we get to Hezekiah. At a great cost, he tore down all the high places. He tore down the Asheroth poles. And now we have Manassas rebuilding those altars. 
reestablishing the high places, making the Asherah pole. And he himself becomes a participant where he bows down to pagan gods. We see that he becomes involved in a cult, in witchcraft. He becomes an active participant in worshiping idols. Now, I guess I should have gone over the significance of this a while ago. But the earliest deity in the Near East was the pagan god El. And as history tells us, the the pagan god El had a mistress. That mistress was Asheroth. And between the union, they had a lot of gods. One of the gods that came out as a result of that so-called union was a god by the name of Baal. Baal becomes the strongest god who overtakes the place of worship of El. Baal is the god of the sea, the god of fire, the god of storms. And this is where it gets really perverted. He has a mistress. And you know who his mistress is? His mother. And that's why they feel that Asheroth is the god of fertility. And that there was established in the temple, those pagan temples, we hear of temple prostitution. And the people believed that the immoral relationships with one another, like the gods had, would produce a fertility of good harvest. So you have this perversion in the land of people worshiping false gods, idols, temple prostitution, which symbols what their gods did, which would bring about good harvest fertility. No wonder God, anger burned against the people and the leaders. Manasseh's parted way and reinstituted all this perversion in Judah. Listen, many of us have a a godly heritage that we need to treasure. We need to look at our godly heritage not as something old-fashioned or out of date, but something our forefathers paid the price highly of. You know, now's not the time to think that we can please the Lord and isolate ourselves from church. You just can't visit the enemy's territory of entertainment And think that you can survive, but it will leave you vulnerable and open for attacks. Don't put off the heritage that has been handed down to you. Don't put off the godly heritage. Don't depart from the faith that we know. That's the first warning we see from Manasseh's life. The second is in verse 4 and 5. Listen to what he does. 2 Chronicles 33, 4 and 5. He built 
altars in the temple of the Lord. He built altars. We're, we're not talking an altar to God. We're, we're talking altars to pagan gods. We're talking altars to Baals. Of which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts and the temple of the Lord, he built altars to the starry hosts. It also says that he took the carved Asheroth pole. And he put that very idol, the goddess of fertility, that promoted temple prostitution. He, he put that very item in the temple of the Lord. He polluted. The temple was a special place. The temple was a holy place. It was a place set apart, sacrificed for God. And Manassas pollutes it. When I think of the temple of the Lord, I'm reminded because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. We read in 1 Corinthians verse 6, verse 19, chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. As I think of how Manassas polluted the temple of God. I'm reminded that our bodies are now a temple of God. Listen, I almost did this today. I almost had my staff members on my queue roll in the dumpster from outside. Roll the dumpster, bring it to the front, and I start just taking trash out of the dumpster and throwing it all over these altars. But I knew many of you would be offended. <laughs> but I think of that, and as much as we would be offended at that, how much more should we guard filth and pollution from coming into our temples, our bodies? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God? As Manassas polluted the temple, Let's heed his warning and make sure that we're not guilty of polluting the temple of the Holy Spirit. Third. Third comes from verses, verse 9 of 2 Chronicles 33. Verse 9, 2 Chronicles 33. But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray. So that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. He played the people. He led them astray. People looked to leaders for instructions and for example. 
and in corrupting his own life, Manasseh corrupted the life of his people, of his nation. Boy, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, that it's better to have a millstone toned around our neck, tied around our neck, and thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones of mine to be led astray. Manasseh, through his own corruption, corrupted a nation. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, I'm not a king. I'm not a leader. Oh, yes, you are a leader. Well, I don't feel like a leader. If you call yourselves a Christian, then you're a leader. A leader in your family, a leader in your neighborhood, a leader at your place of work, and even a leader to your enemies. Why do I say that? Because your enemies are constantly watching you to make sure that your walk lines up with your talk. And if your walk doesn't line up to your talk, what you're showing them as a leader, that God's word doesn't really, isn't, isn't really significant. Manasseh played the people He led them astray. Make sure your life as a leader, as a Christian, is one that is honorable and pleasing to the Lord where you're not leading people astray. Paul reminds the church at Corinth, don't be misled. Bad company Corrupts good character. Number four. Comes from 2 Chronicles 33 verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manassas. And his people. Despite the evil Despite the pollution of the temple, despite their wicked ways and their idolatry, the Lord still cared about them. And he spoke to Manasseh and his people. But scripture says they paid, they paid no attention, Jimmy. They paid no attention. The Lord spoke through prophets. The prophet of the day was Isaiah. And Isaiah was speaking to them. They got so tired of it. Now it doesn't say this inscription, inscription, but tradition. In fact, last yesterday at our men's group, we were going through Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith, but then on the other side of the corner, those who were persecuted faith. And it says in Scripture that even some were sawed in two. And it wasn't a magician's trick. They were literally sawed in two. Tradition has it that it was Manasseh who had Isaiah sawed in two because he got tired of hearing the word of the Lord.
it was like a skip in a 45. Remember 45? Come on. How many had 45s? Yeah, thank you for all those who are now we know who's all around 60. Had that little record player. Had that 45. We put the needle on it. And man, when there was a scratch in the record, all it did was just kept repeating. Beep, 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 beep. And that's what Isaiah's words were like to Manasseh. And Manasseh got tired of hearing the repeat, of hearing the skip in the record. So he has them sawed in two. Remember what we used to do when there was a skip on a record? On the arm of the needle, you put a little penny to make it a little heavier so it would go past the skip. But the skipping record was just the loving voice of God saying, I care about you. Second Peter 3, 8. God's not willing that any should perish. And amidst their wickedness, there was just still this mercy and grace of God. Come back to me. Well, we get down to Second Chronicles 33. Now, let's go back up to verses 1 and 2. Second Chronicles, verses 1 and 2. Manassas was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem. Now, remember this. This is significant. He reigned in Jerusalem. Put this in your memory bank. 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Following the detestable practices of the nations, the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Now, this is where it gets real interesting. Look at verse 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter 33. So the Lord brought against them, Judah, the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh's prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. I like to think that in that hook in his nose was a chain, and he was just being led by his nose. Move on to verse 12. In his distress, in Manasseh's distress, he sought favor of the Lord his God. He humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, here we see the mercy and the grace of God. The Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom then Manassas knew that the Lord is God. Hallelujah! But this is where it gets confusing for me. In spite of this conversion, it's, it's thought that it was in the last eight to six years of his life 
that he had this conversion. Why do we read in Scripture then, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord? Despite him knowing God as the Lord, the Lord as God of Israel, why do we still read that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord? I was puzzled. I was confused. But then this is what came to my attention. Of all the kings who reigned in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom, of all the kings, of the 20 and 19, of all the 41 kings who reigned over Israel, Manasseh was the one who reigned the longest, 55 years. And he comes to the Lord the last six or eight years of his reign. Why does the Bible say he did evil in the eyes of the Lord? Because I can't help but think of the great missed opportunity he had. The missed opportunity he had for all those years. He led them astray. And it seemed like it was too late to recoup the nation that he was given charge of. General Douglas MacArthur says this, In war, all tragedy can be summarized in two words. In war, all tragedy can be summarized in two words. Too late. Too late. Just this past Friday night, my uncle, who's 92 years of age, passed away. Within that hour of him passing away, his niece, niece's son, has a baby. With, with all and with that hour, it was like in our family, one dies and one is born. I was thinking about life. You know, life is like a box of chocolates. No, I'm not going to be Forrest Gum. But life, to me, is like a beautiful bouquet of flowers, man. Life is special. Life is a gift from God. Now, to summarize my last five points. Will you waste your life worshiping at high places, worshiping in hidden places, places of illicit pleasure, where you sit and waste your life worshiping idols that you have created, thinking to yourself, well, I enjoy the pleasure of what I'm doing. I'll still have time left like Manassas did, and maybe... I'll enjoy the pleasure now, but, you know, my last six years, maybe I'll have that deathbed conversion. Will you allow God's temple, your body, 
to be polluted with the filth of this world and tell yourself, ah, you know what, there'll be time to clean it up later. I'm really enjoying the things that I'm doing. And, um, you know, like, like Manasseh, there'll be time. Will you, by your example, continue to lead people astray? Thinking, but there'll be enough time. I have enough time to repent of my sins and, and ask those who I've led astray to forgive me. But I'm really enjoying how I'm living my life now. Will you again, even today, pay no attention to the pleading voice of God? The pleading voice of God that says, Repent! Return to me. Rekindle your heart. And you think to yourself, but there'll still be time. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'll, I'll repent tomorrow. Will you continue to squander your life away until finally you hit rock bottom where Satan puts a piercing in your nose, a hook, and drags you through it by it? Will you then finally turn to God and say, Lord, I finally hit rock bottom and I give you my stems. I give you what's left give you my stems. Manasseh had such a promising life. And for 49 years, he squandered it, wasted it. Oh, thank God for deathbed conversions. Thank God in the end he did. But I believe the Bible says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Because he missed out on a great opportunity as the longest living king. What does the life of Manasseh say to me? Man, I want to live life to the fullest and take advantage of every opportunity God has given me to be a witness, to be a light, and to make sure my heart is on fire for him that others would know and see that there is a God. Don't let opportunities pass you by from doing what God wants to do in your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. God, in this series of rekindling, Lord, when I, I, I was just going to skip over Manassas, I wasn't even going to pay attention to Manassas, but Lord, through his life, you began to speak to my life.
Don't put off the faith. Don't pollute the temple. Jesus, don't play the people. Pay attention to the word of the Lord. And don't put off opportunities that I have given you to be a great light in this dark world. And though we rejoice in his repentance, we view his life as a life of misopportunity and leading many astray. Lord, I pray that we would give you our very best and not just the stems, not just the leftovers, but we would give you the beauty of our life and not have it squandered. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me? Could you just begin to worship him? Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Make most of every opportunity that God gives to you. Jesus. God, rekindle, refuel, fan in the flames. How we love you, Lord. How we love you, Lord. I love you, Luke. Can you just tell the Lord that you love him right now? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, God. I want to be my utmost for his highest. I want to give you my very best. Use me in your kingdom, oh God. Let my life be a witness. Let my life be a burning light. God, rekindle our hearts in this dark world. Set them on fire for you, God. Set them on fire for you. Maybe there's a high place. Maybe there's a hidden place. Maybe there's an idol that needs to be brought down this morning. Maybe there's an area in your temple that needs a little purifying. Maybe there's one whom you have awed against. You've given them a missed message. Maybe you need to go and apologize to that person that you don't lead them astray. 
Maybe the Lord is speaking to you. Pay attention. And don't put off this moment of making it right before God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. to those